Um, as Dr. Roman has indicated, uh, this study originated out of um, discussions following the launch of the Johannesburg Poverty and Disability Study, uh, where people from the disability rights movement have asked for national level data uh, to help with advocacy efforts. When one thinks about poverty and disability, there's always the question of does poverty cause disability or does disability cause poverty? Um, and it is important to remember that it's a bi-directional relationship where they interplay with each other. And in South Africa specifically, there are other factors such as race, gender, and socioeconomic status, all which shape poverty income um, outcomes for people with disabilities. Um, in addition, the National Development Plan calls for disability to be integrated into all facets of planning, recognizing that there's no one-size-fits-all approach, um, obviously due to the different severities and types of disabilities. So our interest uh, when we conducted the study was to understand some of the links between poverty and disability, as well as the various intervening variables which might shape different outcomes. The World Health Organization says that disability is complex, dynamic, multidimensional, and contested. Um, and in recent studies, there's been a move away from the biomedical or individual um, understanding of disability towards a more social model. Um, and the social model acknowledges social, political, and physical <coughs> environmental issues uh, which are related to disability. The shortcoming, however, of that model is that it does mask the individual experience of disability. And so in our study, we adopted the capabilities framework, which was used to conceptualize disability. And what that did was allowed us to adequately bring together the understanding of the interaction between those individual level experiences of disability, as well as the social environment. In conceptualizing poverty in our analysis, we took a broad view of poverty, which included um, the multiple deprivation index. The multiple deprivation index then includes material and income deprivation, health deprivation, education, employment, and living arrangements um, deprivation. Uh, and in this way, the, the capabilities framework also helped us to, uh, to recognize important ways in which poverty and disability interact to limit people's options. Um, we are very aware that it is really difficult to conceptualize both the constructs poverty and disability as they're both multidimensional, um, but we were much more constrained in our analysis due to the use of secondary data. The study made use of the National Income Dynamics Survey, which is the NITS survey, which is a panel study um, which follows the same people uh, every two to three years. Um, so the NITS con consisted of a national sample of over 7,000 households with about 17,000 adults. Um, and from that, there was a subset of about 2,953 adults who indicated that they experienced functional disabilities. Um, this was the quantitative component for our report. Uh, it was also complemented by the urban data which was um, released in, in 2010 as well as the rural component which was conducted in a rural area in Pumalanga. Let's look now to, sorry I missed one, um, the limitations of the study. Um, by focusing on national level data and high level relationships between variables, the study necessarily obscures 
um, the complexity of disabilities. So it cannot tell as much about the types of the, the effects of different types of impairments or severity, um, but, but focuses on very high-level relationships. The data also relied on self-reporting difficulties. So while this is a reliable way of asking people about their own difficulties, it is quite different um, from being diagnosed by a medical practitioner. Um, so the definition of disability in this study was quite narrow in that it only included sight, hearing, and mobility difficulties and did not include um, cognition, intellectual, and so psychosocial disabilities. So now the prevalence. Our study revealed that 18% of the South African adult population presented with disabilities. This estimate is higher than the census data, which, in, uh, which reflects 8% of the South African population. And reasons for this might be that the census data asks questions in different ways, as well as being inclusive of children with disabilities, whereas our study focuses on adults. When we looked at the race profile, 83% of people with disabilities were African, 8% were colored, 3% were Indian, and 5% were white. Um, in terms of gender, 71% of people with disabilities were female and 29% were male. And this is consistent with women being more likely to report impairments. 56% of people with disabilities lived in urban areas. And the average age of people with disabilities was 47 years, compared to 34 years um, of people without disabilities. Um, and it is likely that because most people with disabilities were older, they were more likely to report functional difficulties. 73% um, of people with disabilities had mobility difficulties, 42% had vision impairments, 15% had hearing impairments, and when we looked at it altogether, 30% of people with disabilities indicated having um, multiple impairments. Interestingly, more people with disabilities indicated being married or living with a partner than non-disabled participants. And Lauren will speak to social capital later on in, in the presentation. In terms of education, on average, non-disabled people had 2.7 years more education than people with disabilities. Significantly more people with disabilities had no schooling than non-disabled people, and non-disabled people were more likely to progress into secondary and post-secondary education than people with disabilities. Um, so it was evident that there was a, the gap between education um, between people with disabilities and without was quite marked, but what we found was that age was um, a big contributor to this difference. Um, so if we look, for instance, at the 75 to 84 age group, um, there was quite a huge, a large difference in, in the levels of education. But if we look at 15 to 24, 25 to 34, you can see that the education gap is narrowing. Um, that's a very promising finding, and we think that one of the explanations for this might be that because many people with disabilities are older, they would have been um, affected by apartheid-era policies on education. This, of course, is nothing about the quality of education received um, and, and, and mainly talks about the number of years of education received. 
education and geographic location. Um, so education was limited in rural in the rural area that we visited. Um, but they were fortunate in that they also had a special needs school in addition to the mainstream schools. Um, but what we could see, especially in the special needs school, was that there were too few classrooms and too many students. It was also a wide range of, uh, of uh, children with disabilities, so they had many different needs. And a lot of their needs could not be met without specialized support. So teachers spoke of many challenges in trying to provide education to children with such wide-ranging needs. Um, and there seemed to be a focus on practical training and keeping children busy as opposed to teaching school curriculum. Um, in addition, teachers felt that they lacked technical and physical resources to adequately edu educate the children that, that they were meant to educate. So in the focus groups, um, teachers highlighted, we don't have enough training, we still want more. Um, like we don't know the sign language. There are blind children around the community, but they don't attend. Why? Because they see there is no Braille teacher. So that is the main challenge to the teachers. The teachers also felt that teachers in mainstream schools and some of the parents in the community did not understand the purpose of the school. So they recounted instances of where teachers from mainstream schools would refer children to a special needs school. Um, because they had a mild learning difficulty. And so that removed them from mainstream schooling and placed an even bigger burden on, on teachers at the special needs school. Some parents in the community also viewed the special needs school as a place where their children would be would go to be, to, um, be babysat. Um, so there was that dynamic. However, for other um, parents, Special needs school was a key support mechanism for their children, for them with children with disabilities. Um, and one of the parents said, yes, we feel good. Because they teach us, like if he forgets when you send him to do something, we were taught not to give up and not to shout at them. So while it is wonderful that there are positive strides being made in education, it seems that in some areas there's still some work to be done in terms of how to educate children with disabilities. People with disabilities were more likely to report poor health than non-disabled people, and this is consistent with findings in other parts of the world. In addition to disability, gender and age uh, were predictors of poor health. So people with disabilities were more likely to report being affected with tuberculosis, or were more prone to be affected by a range of non-communicable diseases, including diabetes and hypertension. Uh, people with disabilities were also more likely to report difficulties with accessing health services. In rural areas, public clinics are usually the only accessible places for consultation. In the area that we um, researched, however, they were fortunate in that they had access to private and public health care. Um, however, this highlighted disparities in healthcare between the private and the, the public healthcare sector. And the following quote is from a, a parent with a son who had physical and cognitive impairments. And when he tried to access public healthcare, um, he says, it's the clinic. Some days they will just turn you away with him, even when he's sick, saying I should go back with him. Let other people come in. They turn me away with him. 
the clinic is not right. And when we're speaking about um, private healthcare, people say that it's not the same as the government clinic. It's possible that there it's because it's white people who see. So our way of doing things for us black people, we don't know how to treat each other well. When you get there, this is to the government clinic, they toss you around um, and you are a patient. So I think while this could um, point towards a need for better training in, in terms of healthcare professionals, especially for, for those um, dealing with people with disabilities in public clinics, um, we also are aware that the public healthcare sector is quite overburdened and many of the professionals do experience burnout. Um, that's definitely something for, for further research and something that we did not cover in, in the study.